guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us. J-Dubs, at your convenience, we'll hit the uh, lights in our studio. No rush. We certainly appreciate you very much. We are live in Charlottesville, Virginia, our studio on Market Street, which is downtown, literally on the other side of the mall, the road parallel to the crown jewel of Seville, eight blocks that I'm extremely passionate about, eight blocks that embodied the charm and the quirkiness and the charisma of, of a town that we name one of our businesses after. Now, I Love Seville has kind of evolved um, into a platform that captures Central Virginia, a 300,000-person market in totality. So while it may be Seville and its branding and moniker, it's Central Virginia, 300,000 people that we like to cover. We talk Fluvanna, we talk Louisa, we talk Lake Monticello, we talk Orange County, we talk Greene County, Barbersville, Gordonsville, Keswick, Shadwell. We talk North Downtown, we talk Belmont, we talk Rugby, we talk the University of Virginia, we talk Zion's Crossroads. If it's local, it's on our brain. Judah Wickhauer, an instrumental um, aspect of the operation, 12 plus years in counting as my right hand man, family. We don't always see eye to eye, and I think if you watch the program, you get that. <laughs> Let's cut to the chase. You already know that. But that friction and those complementary personalities that are very different in their makeup create a pretty dynamic and awesome team. And I want to highlight him and his importance to the operation to you, the viewer and listener. Look at the headlines for some topics. Please text your friends and let them know. We will be talking these storylines today. I get, I continue to be contacted by staff of Brasserie Saison and Passiflora saying that they were promised paychecks that never materialized. I will relay what staff is relaying to me. I highlight this storyline because Folks living paycheck to paycheck, folks renting, folks financially in peril are even more in a concerning position um, because of promises not kept. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And our influence and reach is vast, and we have skin that is thick, and we're unafraid to pursue storylines that are local. We'll talk Carytown Burgers and Fries. Yes, an icon in Richmond. Carytown Burgers and Fries is for sale. The owner, unlike a local owner here in Charlottesville, is doing right by his 45 employees. The dichotomy between Mike Barber, the owner of Carytown Burgers and Fries, and how he's going about exiting his multiple location operation and how Hunter Smith has done it is tangible and palpable. And we'll explain how and why on today's program. I will also talk the gun buyback program that we've percolated on this network for a number of months. We have details on the gun buyback program now. I want to highlight the job that Chief Michael Kotchis has done in this community. Michael Kotchis is an A++++ plus, plus, plus police chief 
and the chief executive officer of our local police department. It is time now, after we've seen what Charlottesville Police Department has done under a stable leader, under a leader of vision, under a leader that has brought consistency in mood, in spirit, and in day-to-day operations, Cautious has turned and righted the ship, a ship that was sinking under former police chief Brackney, a chief, uh, a, uh, a system and a department that started sinking under former police chief Al Thomas. And has it been since the Tim Longo era that we've had consistency with our department? Cautious has brought that consistency back again. And now it's up to us taxpayers and, and, and residents and, and locals of Charlottesville and of Albemarle and of Central Virginia to begin backing the blue with momentum, with visibility, and with the same organized structure that socialist Charlottesville has used to demoralize, water down, stain, and taint the CPD brand. When you realize, like we have realized on this program, that A, everyone's approval is not necessary. B, you could care less. I certainly do. I certainly do what people think of you. And when you don't care less what people think of you, it's an invigorating feeling. It offers tremendous freedom of thought. And when you start to realize that Socialist Charlottesville is a group of somewhere between 20 and 50 people on Twitter that seem much louder than they actually are, you realize that standing up to this paltry, paltry group is much easier than one ever thought. I'll explain that to you today. We'll talk more details on Hogwaller Brewing Company coming to High Street in the old Pie Chess location. I walked around the building today. The potential for this brewing company is significant. I think we have an arms race going on between two breweries, Salvage Brewing Company on Ivy Road across from Boar's Head. They are moving from Woolen Mills and front of the program, Brian Roy's development project, home to Willow Tree. They're taking salvage from Woolen Mills to the old grit coffee distillery. Is, is distillery a good word for coffee making? Grit coffee, where it made its coffee was the back of Bel Air Place. Hunter Craig owns that building. Bel Air Place is Roasting. the... Roastery? Roasting. Yeah. Roasting. Thank you. Thank you, Judah Woodcower. Coming in clutch yet again, J-Dubs, Judah B. Woodcower. Hunter Craig owns Bel Air Place across from the Boar's Head. He immediately, after doing a phenomenal job of developing the project, a project that had been kind of an afterthought for an extended period of time, especially considering the level of affluence on Ivy Road and the drive-by traffic on Ivy Road, Hunter invigorated this call it a shopping center. He branded it Bel Air Place, and he immediately captured new tenants from Ivy Square Shopping Center, the shopping center that's home to Foods of All Nations. Those tenants left Ivy Square Shopping Center because the University of Virginia purchased it for $22 million, and they were uncertain of the future of Ivy Square. Now, I've been told by folks within the foundation that 
UVA will honor the leases at Ivy Square Shopping Center to the dotted I and the cross T. I've also been told Foods of All Nations, a beloved grocery store, has signed an extended 10-year lease period that UVA will honor um, to the dotted I and to the cross T. That being said, I think we all realize that Ivy Road and what it looks like today is not going to be the Ivy Road of, say, my rising kindergartner's high school years. You have a hotel and conference center backed by the foundation. You have a data science school at the home of the old Cavalier Inn Hotel. You have a $22 million shopping center, Ivy Square, that's not delivering return on investment at a $22 million clip. Eventually, Ivy Road will be the lawn or the academic village 2.0. You see a sidewalk being constructed that's connecting Boar's Head to grounds proper. UVA needs more area to expand, and the expansion um, plans for the foundation go down Ivy Road to their trophy property, the Borshead Resort, a place that I love very, very dearly. I'm excited for the potential of Ivy Road, but I'm also a bit saddened because some of that quirkiness and charm that we've come to love will certainly be lost, much like some of that quirkiness and charm that is being lost on the UVA corner because of escalating rents. Interestingly, Hunter Craig, an owner of a large chuck of the UVA corner as well. We'll talk um, an arms race that I see materializing with who can bring the first sports bar to market. Will it be Selvage across from the Borshead and the old Grit Coffee Roastery, potentially? I think Selvage is, is, is the front runner right now. You're looking at an operation that could potentially open as early as Q4 of this year. And if they do it right, and I know the players with this project, they do things very well. If they do it right and have a bank of TVs and they bring that smash burger with that delicious house sauce, those curly cut fries, and all the fantastic approachable and elevated pub fare to the spot across from the Borset, the old Grit Coffee Distillery on the back of Bel Air Place, folks are going to support this business by the thousands. It will be one of the most popular places in town. I also think that will influence other businesses on Ivy Road or other restaurants in Albemarle and Charlottesville to up their game as well. So much to cover on today's show, including a local real estate agent um, offering some nastiness and some hate to yours truly. That's going to be a fun topic for me on today's show. I want to welcome Judah Wickhauer into the mix. Judah Wickhauer um, on a two-shot. 12 years, Judah Wickhauer um, has worked at this firm. Spencer Pushard, hello, and welcome to the broadcast. Um, J-Dubs, you and I continue to be contacted by... I'm on air right now, Tom Pace. I'm on air right now. Tom Pace. Texting Tom Pace, who's trying to reach me. Why he would try to do this after 12.30, I find odd. Um, we get contacted left and right 
Are we on, am I on this one? Yeah. Fantastic. We get contacted left and right by, by staff. Uh, at, at Brasserie Saison, hell of a coincidence, the initials are BS um, and, and, and Passiflora. Um, the most recent contact by dozens of staff is we were promised pay and it has not materialized. The last paychecks right before closing. We were also contacted by staff saying that the transition from Hunter's operation to a new entity basically resulted in the immediate closure without any notice of both businesses. We did a little reconnaissance on the websites of Passiflora and, and, and BS, and we noticed that the social media channels, Facebook specifically, have been completely deleted. Yeah. Um, I count on you for consistent, unemotional, sounding board advice. That's you in a nutshell. Consistent in mood, unemotional, the same person every day. This guy is an eligible bachelor. Ladies, if you're watching this program, you would be lucky to have Judah Wickower in your life, on your side, and grinding for your family. I sincerely mean that. Thank you. My friend, where do you want to begin on this topic? You, the unemotional, consistent one. Well, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't know anything about the company that's taken over for, uh, for Hunter Smith, but uh, they seem to be uh, birds of a feather. Um, and I, I think it would be great if uh, if people from the restaurants reached out to us, just so we have a uh, you know a clearer record of what went down. Because what we've been seeing lately has been saying that uh, that the restaurants have been shut down for good. No, there's no uh, whatever second chance was going on has been uh, rescinded, taken back. <clears throat> Uh, tossed out with the uh, with the bathwater, and um, and it looks like there are looks like a lot of the people that were working there have been left um, without uh, without at least one paycheck, which is, I mean, in today's climate, uh, that's I disheartening at best. Yeah. Can't imagine how painful that is for those involved in this. Let me ask you this question: The businesses were passed to an vulturistic, and I use the word vulturistic LLC. The vulturistic LLC that assumed the two brands, Passiflora and BS. They were the ones that led this: no paycheck charge and the closing without runway or heads up. It would seem that way. Does that give the previous proprietor and owner a free pass? I wouldn't say so. I, this is from the unemotional one. Go ahead. I well, that we. That's why I said birds of a feather. We saw the same thing with uh, uh, with what was it? Champion uh, Champion Grill. Yep. A, a piece of paper pasted, or excuse me, a piece of paper taped to the front door of the Stonefield location. Staff showed up to Champion Grill and read a piece of paper on the front door that said, the business is closed, you don't have a job anymore. Yeah. 
this would seem to be the same thing. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, that another company would do the exact same thing to uh, a group. Maybe it's just coincidence, or uh, maybe this was the plan all along. I mean, did this company just come in to uh, to what gut the restaurant, sell sell it off piecemeal, and uh, and Hit the road with the money. Bellamy Brown, welcome to the show. Travis Hackworth in Danville. Jesse Rutherford in Nelson County. Kevin Higgins in Greenwood. Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre. Brittany Gray, who's running for school board in Fluvanna. Kevin Yancey in Waynesboro. Vanessa Parkhill in Earliesville. Andrew Vaughn, hello and welcome to the show. Lonnie Murray, my friend, thank you kindly for joining us. Richard Averett, watching the program. A one-time investor of Commonwealth Sky Bar the predecessor of Passiflora, a friend of the show, Juan Sarmiento, Nikki Chambliss, Marquise Johnson, Jason Howard, Jamie Turner, State Senate candidate Philip Andrew Hamilton watching the show, as is Katie Traverso-Pearl, Andre Xavier, Michael Plecker, Julian Freeman, I can't wait for your wedding, Jeffrey Fogel, the activist attorney, welcome to the program. The list goes on and on and on. Um, all right, this is my take. You a man of empathy, a man of golden rule mindset, yeah. right? A forgiving person. Me, a bit more capitalistic, a bit more aggressive. Cut to the chase, I'm the businessman that's focused on keeping the lights on and the paychecks coming. Um, the vulturistic LLC that took over the brands was buying distress assets. Distress assets likely sold at maybe a buck, a dollar. Um, why you would sell a restaurant or a brand for a buck is because you want to get the hell away from the debt, the exposure. You want to get off the lease. Same reason whose brew was being offered for a dollar on High Street. Yeah. You want to get away from the lease, the exposure. Yeah. The vulturistic LLC that buys the two businesses, the two brands, comes in and does what someone who buys distressed assets does. Chop it up, sell it for as much as you can get. They take the number one item of cost, payroll, and they evaporate it. And then they take the money that comes from payroll and they use it to potentially reinvent the distressed assets in different capacities. We're both, let's cut to the chase. The likelihood of either of these brands staying BS or Passiflora, no smart businessman or woman would keep them this way. They understand they're Scarlet Leonard and tainted. And tainted. Yeah. So a rebranding is undoubtedly on the horizon. And as that rebranding is on the horizon, it's going to cost money. And unfortunately, the staff became the sacrificial financial lambs. Mm -hmm. And as the staff became the sacrificial financial lambs, folks legitimately living paycheck to paycheck or even unable to live paycheck to paycheck, maybe supplementing paycheck to paycheck with massive credit card debt, are left in a very Darwinistic state, survival of the fittest, the vultures, the lions, the grizzlies, they win. 
at the sacrifice of the lambs? What do vultures eat? Vultures eat roadkill or anything else. The roadkill? I'm still trying to be empathetic here while also being poetic and metaphorical. Excellent. We will promote this now. We will promote promote this now. Very excited to make this announcement. I'm so excited to make this announcement. Let me finish my thought first. I don't think it takes Hunter off the hook. No. Making a transaction to a vulturistic LLC that buys distressed assets, he understood what was going to happen. The vulturistic LLC, do they have accountability, culpability? Should they be in our crossfire or our crosshairs? Or do we chalk this up to capitalism? I mean, I... Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to chalk it up to capitalism, which, I mean, is a... It's a, it's a mark against capitalism. The fact that, uh, the fact that we can so uh, unemotionally uh, toss people aside. Um, but... Do we blame them for, you know, it's, it's hard to say. We don't, know, we don't know how they were brought in. We don't know what the, the terms were. Um, and ultimately, I don't think that they're responsible for the, for the people. Um, you know, it's a shame that they go about things the way they, the way they do, the way they have, apparently. But uh, I... I would still, uh, logically, I'd, I'd say this is still on Hunter. He probably had some idea what he was selling these, selling to, and uh, the fact that uh, they were as uh, they were as cold in um, <clears throat> in in not in not having any regard for the uh, for the workers. As, uh, as he was previously. Judah Wickhauer dropping dimes today, per usual. Chef Laura Fonner, now the outright owner of Siren Restaurant in Vinegar Hill, watching the program, support Siren and Chef Fonner. She's got a fantastic restaurant. The culpability and the accountability continues to fall on the shoulders of the previous proprietor. Selling assets, even distressed, and calling them distressed is like saying, is like saying ashes are not the foundation of a sandbox. Okay. These distressed assets were unusable, scarlet lettered, and tainted. The vulturistic LLC that purchased did what the vulturistic LLC probably had to do to keep the businesses going in some kind of direction. It doesn't make it right. In fact, it's lacking empathy, lacking compassion, and pretty much prioritizing dollars and cents over the lives and the quality of lives of people. It's as disgusting as it could possibly get. But the unfortunate nature of that disgusting act, the unfortunate nature of that 
disheartening and, dismor- and demoralizing and depressing and, 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 and downright disturbing behavior, it's business. And it's probably, done literally every day. That's probably what they paid the, for the businesses in order to, uh, to do. Uh, it's just, uh, I would say, a pretty disgusting business practice to not, uh, to not let any of the workers know about that. I brokered a business deal. Juan Sarmiento said he had dinner at Siren on Saturday with his wife, and it was a fantastic dinner. Juan, I'll tag Laura on that comment so Chef Foner sees it. Um, look, when a Fortune 50 or a Fortune 100 company lays people off via Zoom, I'll take this. A, a publicly traded company has someone in upper management. I won't say which one it is. A publicly traded company has someone in upper management that I intimately know. And that individual in upper management has a team of roughly 30 people. Mm-hmm. And he's instructed by the C-suite, because this particular individual may be a step below it, to lay off his or her entire team and to do the layoffs for his or her entire team via Zoom because they don't want those people to come into the office for fear of like an office space. They have a meltdown, steal all the stuff, have a breakdown, and you don't want to deal with that kind of PR spectacle. Yeah. So the, the man or girl, man or woman that is right below C-suite is instructed to lay 30 people off via Zoom and has a time frame of doing it. That man or woman works directly with those 30 people and embodies empathy. So the time frame went longer than expected because he was willing or she was willing to hear employees cry or try to answer questions of what's next. Next thing you know, that man or woman at this publicly traded company right below the C-suite has his or her Zoom credentials immediately cut off in the middle of the call with a couple of people still to be laid off. (coughs) At that point, that man or woman right below the C-suite that's making $800,000 plus a year realized that they were shit-canned. What is the difference between a publicly traded company shit-canning 30 people and then having the man or woman who did the shit caning find out in the Zoom call that their Zoom credentials got completely revoked and they can no longer access the call to fire the remaining people? What is the difference between that publicly traded company doing it that way and the vulturistic company buying distressed assets for a buck on the downtown mall? There's no difference. Except they at least had someone tell the people. Fair. <laughs> I mean, there's very little difference. You're right. I'm not trying to say that you're wrong. I'm just saying that one small difference is that you're, someone's not finding out by uh, reading a piece of paper on a door. And you would also think that the publicly traded company, because they have rules and regulations tied to being publicly traded, finish paying out the staff for the time that they had worked. Yeah, no doubt. So you can make the legitimate argument that the publicly traded company hired, handled the firings and the layoffs in a much more above-board capacity than what was done here in the downtown mall. Though probably not out of any sense of altruism, but more out of a sense of, hey, we don't want to get sued. 100%. And we have shareholders that we're responsible for to driving value to them. Yeah. 
100%. Fear of legal exposure. So that's the first topic on today's program. Bill, Bill McChesney comments, the, the old saying goes, it's not personal, it's just business. There's unfortunately the old saying that the nice guy finishes last. And that sucks. But that's life. And once we realize that, we'll be in better position to make moves that could be um, to the advantage of families. Um, all right, the next topic I want to cover on today's program, there are a lot of them. Carytown Burgers and Fries is for sale. And the reason I bring up Carytown, and if you could put the lower thirds on screen, if that would be great. The reason I bring up Carytown Burgers and Fries being really, for sale. Really quickly, Anonymous uh, had a pretty interesting comment. He this is says, from Deep Throat on Twitter. Yeah, and this is probably good advice for the, uh, for the people who are newly... Uh, Without a job, he says, check out Virginia wage theft law. Hunter could face some real trouble. Yeah. By law, you, sh you need to get paid everything that, for every hour that you worked. Well, I mean, I, I, I would almost encourage the staff to pool their resources. And if I don't mean financial resources. I mean right. pool communication resources. Find a labor attorney. Say, labor attorney, we can't afford to pay you but we are willing to potentially give you a cut of the back end. The labor attorney will win from a PR standpoint because they're fighting for the little guy. The labor attorney may get a little bit of pay on the back end, and the labor attorney is going to come across as taking a few loaves and a couple of uh, fishes and feeding the hundreds. Yeah. So they win from a branding standpoint, a public equity standpoint, an image standpoint, and can get some back end pay. Yeah. The staff is not going to have the financial resources to go hire a 595 an hour, 595 an hour McGuire Woods attorney. Yeah. It's cut to the chase. That's going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars potentially in retainer money. But if it's positioned by the staff in a collective bargaining type of scenario, they're organized, strategized, and galvanized. This is what we need from you. There's 40 of us. Will you help us? I bet you you can find a 595 an hour uh, McGuire Woods attorney to cut their rate, maybe do it pro bono for a taste of the back end. That's a businessman talking there. Mm -hmm. All right. I, the reason I bring out Carytown Burgers and Fries is because Mike Barber, the owner of this Richmond institution, he has 45 current employees. He's got two locations, one in Carytown that we know and one in the Lakeside location. I want you to know, I want you to realize how Mike Barber is, ha is handling the sale of his business, his business. Okay, Judah? Mm -hmm. First, Mike Barber went to his 45 current employees and sat them all down and said, I want to sell my business. I want you to hear it from me first. I'm ready to do something else. The restaurant business is not what it used to be. Uh, it sounds more like he's dealing with, I, from the article that I read, he's dealing with COPD. He's had several, uh, several, uh, uh, surgeries for uh, cancer. That's right. And he's uh, he needs to take care of his health. And uh, like a like a, a good man, he also wants to take care of his employees. Exactly. That's a hundred percent. What's happened? So the listing went active this past week. Forty-five current employees were um, notified by ownership. Uh, according to Richmond BizSense, the Carytown location is listed at $145,000. That's separate from the Lakeside location, which is bundled with the food truck and catering business. That has an asking price of 90 k Nathan Hughes, 
um, with a real estate venture business in Richmond, is brokering the sale of the businesses, um, and said interested buyers should call to discuss price. That means it's negotiable. Hughes is also working in tandem with Tony Rolando at Pollard's and Bagme, who's handling the sale of the restaurant's building in Carytown. The property is listed at $675,000 in Carytown. Barber, through an LLC, that's the owner of Carytown, paid $665,000 for the 1,900-square-foot building in 2018. So this shows you this guy is not trying to be greedy. He paid $665,000 for the 1,900-square-foot building in 2018, and he's asking $675,000 now. It shows you he is trying to do the right thing and that his health scare is causing him to exit these businesses. Why I bring this up to you is you have one man who owns multiple restaurants, and this is how we handled the sale of the restaurant. Tell employees first. Yeah. Whoever buys the business, encourage and almost insist. Is it a condition of the sale? No. But encourage and almost insist that the employees be retained. Yeah. B, sell the real estate at true market value so it trades. C, Separate the two locations so they're not bundled together, so they're more affordable to a small business owner to potentially purchase. The Carytown location has an asking price of 145k. They're literally saying it's negotiable, 145k to buy an institution in Richmond. The Lakeside location has a food truck and a catering business bundled with it, and the asking price is of $90,000. You can have, you can, C-A-N, you can have hardship, you can have headwinds, and you can still exit the right way. Yeah. It is the absolute opposite of what has happened in downtown Charlottesville. Yeah, definitely. Next headline. Alex Erpe, we will get to you here in a matter of moments. The... Oh, I got good news. I've been corresponding with the fabulous Kyle Irvin, spokesman of the Charlottesville Police Department. Kyle Irvin is amazing at his job. We have Michael Kochis, the police chief. And if you want to go on a one-shot here so people can see the headlines, um, we have Michael Kochis, the police chief of the Charlottesville Police Department, scheduled for July 11th, which is a Tuesday. We'll spend half an hour to 40 minutes one-on-one with Chief Kochis right here on the I Love Seville show. I want to humanize, localize, and personalize a man that is leading this city into greener and more positive pastures. I am excited for the gun buyback program that's about to roll out with the Charlottesville Police Department. Yet another opportunity for the police department to get face-to-face with community members in particular community members in neighborhoods that have high crime rates and have gun violence. Michael Kochis has undoubtedly exceeded expectations. To say that Michael Kochis has done A-plus of work is an understatement. He has done A-plus, plus, plus of work. He came in, the police chief, at a time when Charlottesville was at a low. People were getting murdered on the downtown mall. There was a gunfight at the Omni Hotel in the shadows of a $495 a night five-star hotel. These are all facts. A crossing guard immediately after letting kids cross over in the 10th and Page neighborhood, a busy street, kids watched a pickup truck 
with a driver that just did a drug deal and this particular driver died on the scene while in the pickup truck on 10th and Page as children and a crossing guard were managing foot traffic after school. Cotchis and the Charlottesville Police Department have done everything right. They have arrested people tied to gun violence. They have humanized, personalized, and localized the Charlottesville Police Department brand. They have taken the collateral damage that was Chief Brackney and Chief Thomas, the former police chiefs, and they have completely reinvented the brand. Completely. Cotchis, A++++. And on July 11th, a Tuesday at 12.30, I cannot wait to showcase a man that has been a valuable pillar to this community. And I want to close this topic with this message. The 30 to 50 people on Twitter, Socialist Charlottesville, that continues to lambaste the police department, continues to scream defund the police department, continues to say don't give the police department any more taxpayer dollars. It's time for us to look at those 20 to 40 people and say stop talking. Enough already. We need to champion the men and women that protect our rights and keep our streets safe as opposed to scarlet lettering them. We need to get the department completely full with bodies. We're about 25 to 30 percent empty. Get the department full with police officers. Get the police department in a positive light that it deserves because it's doing things right. And Socialist Charlottesville, Seville, Twitter, enough already. Stop it. Do not scarlet letter this department anymore. You're 40 people. Yes, you're organized, but your perspective is wrong. It's wrong. All of us in this community, 300,000 pe people strong. In fact, that would make us, when you take out Seville Twitter, that would make 300,000 minus 52, 299,948 of us. Let's say to the 52 people, enough already. Last topic before Alex Erpe. You can go anywhere you want when we talk about this stuff, Alex Erpe. Hogwaller Brewing Company opening on 1518 East High Street, the old pie chest location. If you want to get that lower third up, that would be fantastic. I think Hogwaller Brewing Company is going to crush it. You create a brewing company that overlooks the Rivanna River that, let's see if the beer is good. I think the beer will be good. I give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I hope the beer is good. I'm pretty sure it will be good. Let's hope. You create a local brewing company with Charlottesville ties that is paying, paying homage to the history of the neighborhood, Hogwaller, and you do it with a nice cool deck overlooking the Rivanna River in a neighborhood that is eager and itching to support a locally owned business. Anyone been to Riverside on any given day? It's packed and crowded all the time. Put a brewery across the street from Riverside, what's going to happen? You're going to have the Shadwell money, the Keswick money, the Pantops money, the Belmont money, the Woolen Mills money, the Hogwaller money, the neighborhoods around Locust, downtown, north downtown, supporting this brewery. And it's going to crush it. You put some televisions, which I think that's the plan, for some sports, and you're going to have an epicenter that is going to have positive momentum from day one. I walked your property this morning on the way to work. It looks fantastic. Hogwaller Brewing Company, 1518 East High Street in the former Pie Chest location. It's an arms race. 
Who's going to open the first true sports bar first? Will it be Selvage across from the Boar's Head Resort in Bel Air Place, or will it be Hogwaller Brewing Company on High Street? That's a question that I will be following and trying to answer. Alex Erpe, my friend, we can get you on set. Judah Wickhauer, we got a three shot ready to rock and roll. I'm going to start open-ended with the Antonio Banderas of finance. Ladies, he is taken. He is love-cuffed. He is married. Um, while he's still the Antonio Banderas of finance, he is off the market. Where would you like to begin, my friend? Oh, I mean, a lot of places. I'm excited about that. That's a good... I haven't seen now what it looks like. I'm guessing it's bigger than what used to be the old pie chest. Um, Have they... Died? They're, they're looking to open up the space. Mm-hmm. They are going to utilize outside space, which the pie chest did not do. Mm-hmm. That footprint is limited in structure, though. I was about to say, yeah, okay. So it's limited. But it, it's, a, it's a good little area. It's always, it's always a fun stretch. That's there, so I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely, my friend. Yeah, it, should be, uh, it should be fun. Um, other storylines we've covered that you may want yeah. to touch? On the subject of, the, of obviously everything going on with the Champion Holding Group, right? I, it's interesting because I've been reading more and more. There is a lot more talk in the financial world about how bankruptcy works. Right, and this is a sale, but the, all of this comes together in the sense of the way we handle distressed assets. Basically, usually leaves employees holding the bag, whether it's sale like this, whether it's sale of distressed assets, whether it's bankruptcy proceedings, in which oftentimes, remember, the employees really don't factor into bankruptcy proceedings, and so it enables you to basically take. And the the point is, the financial industry looking at this and saying there are undue risks being taken because it is too easy to get out. In other words, you, you take more risk as a holding group, as a business owner, as some of these public companies, than is actually reasonable because it's actually very easy to get out because you don't have much stand in the game. You either go through bankruptcy or you just sell out. And so there are serious, there are serious talk in the financial industry of beginning to consider putting employees into this, those bankruptcy proceedings at the very least, thereby making it so you have to take them into account in terms of severance packages, things you must offer them that come before stockholders on public. And I think if that can trickle down to the way we look at sale of distressed assets and so forth, I think that could have some positive impacts going forward because, like you said, sometimes it seems that like the last person anybody thinks about and the employees like, all right, I'm out. You're good luck, all of you. I'm done. I I got my uh, skin out of the game. He's all over this. In the scenario I posed with the man or woman that's close to me, right below the C-suite, all the members on his or her team were offered a severance package of some capacity. So again, that is different than how it was done on the downtown mall. Not only severance package, but the common courtesy of being told yes over screen but still being told by somebody somebody. that the layoff was happening. So you can make a legitimate argument that the publicly traded company that is certainly capitalistic and Darwinistic handled it with much more empathy than the locally owned one. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you have to, like we all would like that people act empathetically by choice, but sometimes the way you structure things can also, the way we structure things as a culture and a society can either lead people to behave more empathetically or lead them not to. And sometimes the way we've currently structured things 
makes it so that there's really no incentive to be empathetic, which is a shame. But I think there's 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 they're looking at ways in which we can think of things differently so that empathy kind of comes maybe not first, it would be nice if it was first, but at least somewhere higher up on the bottom of the list. I was working, uh, my first job out of UVA was for Media General. Media General was a media company that owned a boatload of television stations and newspapers. And like a lot of legacy media companies, Media General got screwed by the internet because the internet started cannibalizing their advertising revenue and they had already given away the news online. So getting the cannibalized ad revenue to be um, substituted by paywalled or subscriber revenue through the internet proved to be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So Media General, while I was working there, they started doing budget cuts left and right to the staff. I was on the sports department under Jerry Hootie Ratcliffe and those budget cuts first started like this. We used to have an office supply closet where we could go in and get notepads and books, um, not notepads and pens and paper and stuff to help report the news. Yeah. One day we showed up, that office supply closet had nothing in it. And we were told you have to go get your own notebooks and pens on your own dime. I was making $10 an hour as a sports writer, literally $20,000 a year. My first job at a UVA, my parents begged me not to take this job. I was passionate about media and sports writing. I took it anyway. The next thing that Media General did to us is they started throwing out the word furlough. A furlough is um, you have to take the day off from work no matter what, and we're not going to pay you. Yeah. So we're going to cut your pay. Instead of two weeks, 14 days of pay, you'll get 13, 12. You're just going to get less money. You're not going to come into work. We don't care what you say. Next thing, they, what they started doing is they started consolidating positions. So they started asking us to do more with less. I was the preps editor, the high school sports editor, and I was being told, Jerry, you're 26 years old, 25 years old, <coughs> you need to manage this staff of 14 people. And not only with managing the staff of 14 people, you have to do the design of the sports section, you have to edit the sports section, you have to cover three stories a week outside the office, and you have to manage the calendar of these 14 people below you. When previously, all I had to do was manage the 14 people and edit the copy that was coming yeah. in from them. They consolidated positions. Mm -hmm. Next thing I know, they went to the printing press. These are men that knew no other trade except for running a printing press. And if you know anything about a printing press, it is a skilled craft. Absolutely. A skilled craft. They went to men that had high school degrees, not college degrees. They went straight into the printing press business. Men that were literally the highest paid employees of the newspaper in a lot of ways, outside of Lawrence McConnell, the publisher, and maybe Lou Hatter, the managing editor. Hmm. And they told these men, without no notice, we're not going to print the paper anymore on Rio Road. It's being consolidated at this location in Lynchburg. All our papers will be printed from there. We're going to lay off all you guys. You're 40, you're 50, you're 60 years old, some literally right before retirement. These men went from making pretty decent wage for Charlottesville to then having to struggle to find jobs. A lot of them ended up in the fast food industry because that's all who would hire them. They had a high school degree and printing press experience and nothing else. Wow. These are tactics Media General utilized. Literally saw it firsthand, the vulturistic nature of a publicly traded company. Um, people over profits. Yeah, people over profits. I mean, profits uh, over people. Yeah. Profits over people. Um, data today, macro data on screen here from a CNBC standpoint. How do you characterize the economy right now? I'd say 
still very shaky is, is what we're kind of looking at. It's not, it's not as though things are terrible, but you can see the, the concern just abounds. The Federal Reserve, obviously, for the first time did, last month did not raise rates, so they, they held off. That's as clear a sign as any that, obviously, they're not very happy with what they're seeing. I mean, they're still stuck. They made Then they came back and said, we'll probably raise them a couple more times, but they're still stuck between a rock and a hard place. But the, the issue is you've just got this overwhelming sense of shakiness that there is inflation that even at four is still running double their target and is on top of previous. Remember, like, we sit here and see anything above zero <laughs> – means we're still going up from previous high levels and you're seeing just a general sense even among companies revising their forecasts downward uh the the bid firms the bid trading firms and the broker dealers revising their forecasts saying yeah we think recession sometime next year it's just there's just this overwhelming stuff that you looked at it that it's not as though we're all prepared for something to hit the fan tomorrow but you just have this sense that it's sooner or later that you know what's going to hit the fan. And so you, you just have to prepare for it and kind of be very observant and very cautious in, in how you act and how you position yourselves because it's, things, are, things are iffy, even on a macro level. Um, Charlottesville economy. Here, I mean, we're always, we've talked this before, that we're always somewhat sheltered by the fact that the university keeps growing. And that has shown, shown no signs of stopping. I came back from honeymoon and found that uh, there's like three, four more roads closed around UBH as they keep building. Um, but I think you see it in terms of just traffic to, to certain restaurants and places. There doesn't seem to be quite as many people. Downtown, happy to see that the mall had had some movement. I was there on Sunday and it was things were moving. Um, it's just... I think when you talk to people, you get a sense that there's just less disposable income to go around and because of inflation. And when that happens, sooner or later, people just kind of cut down a little bit. And you feel it, even if it doesn't translate to ghost town look, you just sense it in, I'm going to do a little less. I'm going to buy a little less here. I'm going to do a little less there. Um, the, I happened to be at the uh, Fashion Square Mall recently, and that was rather uh, depressing. What did you see at Fashion Square Mall? Nothing. Is basically what happened. So you can see, like, as much as certain places get a little more people in the summer, other ones just dry up completely. And so it's it seems more like things moving, rather like money moving, rather than more in general. So I think it's just we're like I said, we're shielded more, but I don't think we're completely um, isolated from the macro picture. Because I mean. We go into the grocery stores. Inflation is here just as much as anywhere else. Here's, here's, here's what I think you know, might be happening, and Judah, you jump in when you have a chance. Um, Warren Buffett had a saying that's become almost, a, uh, almost everyday vernacular. And Buffett's saying was, be fearful when folks are greedy and be greedy when folks are fearful. Mm. Um, and right now, there's fear on, on Market Street. There's fear on West Main. There's yep. fear on Preston Avenue. There's fear on Route 29. There's fear on High Street and Pantops. And what I am seeing um, is folks that are well capitalized, who have dry powder, mm-hmm. are leveraging the dry powder for 
financial gain. Um, nothing wrong with that. If you have the strategic common sense to have dry powder on the sidelines, you probably would want to deploy that dry powder when you can buy things at a discount. Yeah. That's but how. That's the only way in the long term that growth happens, right? It's, we used to call it um, green shoots. They sometimes call it economics, right? It, if things just you, the long term economy needs things which have been poorly managed to die. And things which have so that they can be replaced by capital, I mean capital by using using dry powder, in other words. So that dry powder that is well managed can take its place. So unfortunately that can be painful in the interim, and sometimes as we see it can be done in a way that is not very empathetic, but it needs to happen or else you just have badly managed powder that just perpetuates forever. And instead of having growth, you just have stagnation. So it needs to happen, but it's it's fearful in the interim because there's all this turnover and change but we need people like that with the dry powder to step in and say you know what this is an opportunity now for me to do to take what I'm good at and do it in another area instead of leaving that area to people that maybe haven't done as well with it Judah Wickhauer anything you want to jump in I got a good example of this here in a matter yeah, of moments I mean that's <clears throat> I think that's what we're seeing with uh, that's what we're seeing well not with the I think that's what we're seeing with uh, Carytown is that there's a changeover and that uh, and that hopefully it's a it's a good thing mm-hmm. and a smart way of of uh, shifting the business uh, as opposed to wh- what we've seen in some places around here. Uh, it's I mean it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like how a wildfire is not necessarily a bad thing and mm-hmm. can help to clear out uh, can help to clear out. You know, areas that are overgrown are uh, you know really need that uh, that breath of fresh air, and so yeah, it, I I see what you're saying, Alex. It's not always a bad thing. It can mean uh, it can mean growth where previously there was something just sitting there, barely making it making it by. It could mean better jobs for a lot of those people that currently lost their jobs. Uh, but you're right in the in the interim. Uh, and especially when you have people in charge, like uh, like in the case of uh, Passiflora and BS, as we're now calling it. Uh, I think BS is fair. Sadly, <clears throat> those people don't have uh, you know they didn't have a, they didn't have a uh, they didn't have someone let them know what was going on. They didn't have someone who was thinking about them or caring about them, and so. Uh, you know, hopefully the rest of the community, their friends and and families will uh, will uh, crowd around them and uh, give them the help they need until they can get back on their feet. I got on the heat map five states watching the program. Let's welcome Herb Porter, Tyler Berry, John Sacco, Ray Cadell, Sam McGrain, Brian Leskinick, a former talented running back in the triple wing for Steve Isaacs at Western Amar High School, Derek Anderson, John Snow, Nora Gaffney, Craig Hartman, Jeremy Rowe, Curtis Dirty, Shaver, KTP, Melissa Gale. The list continues. Here's a perfect there's, example. Uh, hold on. There's a uh, uh, quick, quick. Uh, Message from Keith Smith to Alex saying, "Hey, Alex Erpy, looking good." Oh, thank you, Keith. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate it. Keith Smith, welcome to the program. We'll talk. Great man. We'll talk. Distinguished uh, gentleman. Distinguished gentleman. We'll talk. uh, Local real estate agent um, saying some nasty things online. It wasn't Keith about me. 
on today's program. Keith only says lovable things to me. That's why we love you. I don't you. think Keith can say it. Keith I'm doesn't have a bad bone no, in his body. Yeah, Keith is nice. as good a guy as it gets. I'll give you a perfect example, ladies and gentlemen, of this program of having dry powder in the sidelines and being um, opportunistic when folks are fearful. Gentleman's name is Stefan Friedman. Stefan Friedman, in the bottom of the ninth inning, saved Ace, Biscuit, and Barbecue. Mm -hmm. Stefan Friedman came in with Brian Ashworth and made a deal with Brian Ashworth and his wife to buy Ace, Biscuit, and Barbecue. Stefan Friedman is also the money behind Draft Taproom on the downtown mall. Stefan Friedman is the new owner of the brand Licking Hole Creek. Stefan Friedman, multiple folks are telling me, is actively pursuing the Michael's Bistro Little John's businesses. Stefan Friedman is the managing director of Copilot Ventures. Stefan Friedman, a venture capital manager specializing in investment and the structuring and management of early stage companies and turnaround opportunities. Here's someone local. You may know Stefan Friedman if you go to happy hour from time to time at Keswick Hall at Marigold. Okay? Stefan Friedman likes something cold from that bar from time to time. This gentleman, who is an astute business investor, um, a man who specializes in buying distressed assets and turnaround opportunities, came in during a difficult time, closure of a Biscuit and Barbecue, draft tap room. How long has that, when has that been open? Years, right? Licking Old Creek, a brewery, Michael's Bistro, Little John's. When you get five, seven, eight brands like this and you have the dry powder to support it, you start getting economies of scale and a level of vertical integration that allows you to potentially consolidate back-end operations like accounting, gives you purchasing power with food providers like um, a Cisco, if you may. Now, this was the same platform that was utilized by the champion visionary, um, but he did not have, or I take that back, he had the dry powder family, but that spigot and spout was turned off. Uh, Freeman's got the dry powder that appears to be uh, free-flowing. Well, and it's, it's different. Sometimes it's not so much, right? You didn't have two people with the exact same process, and there's really nothing wrong with the general process, but one manages it directly and the other one does not. I mean, you, you have to account for just the smaller-scale decisions that are made that can either lead to success or failure it doesn't mean the process. So in other words, private equity done wrong doesn't mean that private equity is now a bad thing. Private equity is, I will buy this com- company that either was not being managed well or could be managed better, and I will make it more successful. The fact that some people use private equity to basically take too much risk, take a company, slash the cost, package it up, and sell it to the next guy. In other words, they just laid off a bunch of people and moved on. The fact that some people abuse that process and do that doesn't mean that the process itself is bad. It just means that there are people who can do it effectively and there are people who really can't, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- this is an example of someone who is obviously doing it effectively and to good use in the, in the community. So it's, the process is still good and it's necessary. And this is, this is just an example of it done better, at least so far, than, than we've seen in other places. And well said. And I'll emphasize this. Sometimes phrases like private equity or, or, or big money, corporate money. Um, I remember, remember when we were, our business, this firm was in the professional center on the downtown mall, 
Bill Nichman's building, my mentor's building, across from Commonwealth Sky Bar. And Ludwig Kutner comes in, Susan Kreschel comes in, and Brian Weimer come into our office. And we're negotiating an I Love Seville Festival at Ix Park. This was before Ix Park became Ix Park. It was like me, Judah, and Maggie Camo. Maggie was there. And Ludwig across the table, uh, Susan, who's an attorney, and Brian Weimer, who was the Ix Park art director. And the three of us are across from these three people, literally doing back-of-the-napkin negotiations of bringing a festival to Ix Park called the I Love Seville Festival. Do you remember what Brian said in that meeting? I'll never forget this. Do you remember what he said? No. Brian said, he goes, you know, your business gives me the willies. It's way too corporate. It's way too corporate. And I'm like, dude, I'm wearing rainbow sandals. My shirt is untucked. (laughs) Judah Wickhauer is the antithesis of corporate. I don't think at that time there was a corporate iota in Isle of Seville or VMV brands. But the reason he said to us, he goes, you're too corporate. And why he said I was too corporate is because I said, I have Isle of Seville that can market and promote the event, VMV brands that can build the brand and the concept digitally, radio, TV, print for the event, mm-hmm. right? And we can, comp- we can vertically integrate these two companies, the brand building company with the promotion company. Now we got the real estate company where we really can complement the three together, but then we didn't have the real estate company we were leasing. I said, we have a vertically integrated opportunity here for X Park that has economies of scale and can really shine a positive spotlight on a piece of dirt that is underachieving right now. And his response was, that was too corporate of an answer. And I was taken aback. I was literally taken aback. I guess the point I'm trying to make is this. We scarlet letter or we, or we, we say words like private equity and corporate are nasty things. The reality is Stefan Friedman, Mr. Friedman is coming in and he's saving businesses and keeping them operatable and creating jobs. And I would undoubtedly prefer that than empty storefronts. Oh, yeah. For me, I always say break down whenever people like they're like, oh man, that's a, you know that's a bad industry. I'm like, well, break down the meaning of it: equity, stake in something, private as opposed to public. It private equity is you own your own business, private equity. I own my own business with three other herpes, private equity, right? It, that's what that's all it is. And private equity, a person who's in that space just means that they look for, okay, this could be run better. I think I can run this better. Any small business owner who has purchased another small business, private equity. It's just, it gets a bad rap because people who do, there are people out there who can abuse these structures and bankruptcy. They go bankrupt. You know what I mean? I, I buy this. I buy 10 of them. It was too risky. That's okay. I just made six go bankrupt and start all over again, Right. There's, there's abuses that happen which then give it a bad name. But I always say break it down, what is it? And you will realize that mo- a lot of us are engaged in it every single day. You're the person you go to the store with. If you, go to, if you patronize a local small business, private equity. If you do a friends and family raise to buy a company, to buy a small brand, private equity. Private equity. It's just it's scarlet lettered as this nastiness by Hollywood or by national journals, national media. The reality is private equity keeps Charlottesville and Central Virginia afloat. Yeah. And, and, and as well it should. That's what's needed. You 100%. Need, you need to, to keep that going because the alternative public equity, how much do we really want? Give him, a, national, give him a snapshot of that. Give him a snapshot. I mean, do you want – that's Walmart. There you Walmart go. is public equity. 
as opposed to private, right? I mean, you don't necessarily want everything replaced by corporate owners, is that word in corporate, as opposed to personal, a corporate ownership farther up the chain, which isn't by nature bad, but maybe we don't want that here. So it's just, it's all a matter of saying what is it that is actually useful, what's being done well, and what is not being done well. And it, you have to distinguish it in that way and not just start letter the whole process. Very well said, very well said. Anything you want to add there? J-Dubs. No, I think that was well said. I think he's very much on point. We got a 145, so that's four minutes away. Today, Imanana, Thursday at 10.15 a.m. on the I Love Seville Network, and I will close the show with a little perspective from social media from a local realtor in the community, but that will be done on a one-shot. The show is yours on Today, Imanana. Just on Today, Imanana, actually three small businesses are going to be coming on. Um, Sydney Chitalos from Marathon Marketing. Two of them are actually marketing. Uh, Sydney Turber from Marketing, Sydney Turber from Turber Films going to be coming on. And then um, this one is recent. I was super excited about Sub Rosa Bakery. Um, Nicholas got in touch with them. They're actually they're from Richmond that they're going to be coming by. They're the last wood-fired bakery in Virginia, apparently. And very well known. Like Some people claim they're like one of the best bakeries in the country, so they're going to come on and talk to us and just learn about, you know, all the different you know amazing companies in our area so just keep doing what we're doing which is that there's a lot of amazing people that own their own business and are doing great things here and we gotta just keep championing them and supporting them today imanana thursdays at 10 15 a.m on the i love seville network the erpy men do a phenomenal job with this content i got a direct message from deep throat on twitter he says um the alternative um, to what you can do with um, the labor markets here locally is what you have in Brazil where there are separate labor courts. Deep Throat was briefly on an airline board in Brazil. After he left the board, the, the airline went bankrupt. The labor courts ignored the bankruptcy and they go after everyone personally. He says his firm is still dealing with the claims from 15 years wow. of that bankruptcy. So uh, a, a heavy hitter yeah, hence and did restructure of bankruptcy law. Yeah, um, offering some perspective. All right, we'll go on a one shot, and I think what this is called in the business is a teaser until tomorrow. <laughs> a local agent in Mary and Catherine King of Logan Foster has um, attacked me on social media in pretty nasty ways, literally calling me on social media a douchebag. I will have that storyline for you tomorrow on the I Love Seville show at 12.30. For Judah Wickauer and Alex Zerpe, my name is Jerry Miller. So long, everybody. Excellent, Excellent work.